In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, we are going to do a whole episode based off a tweet that Richard posted today. At 2.36 p.m. Central Time, he posted, rank them, Kobe Bufkin, Keontae George, Bryce Sensabaugh, Maxwell Lewis, and Jalen Hood Chafino. So we are going to find out who Richard ranks. Of course, on Twitter, you don't you only get a certain amount of character. So this is an opportunity for him to go in detail about why he has these five guards or wings ranked where he has them. Stay tuned. Big, big, huge shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Big shout out to all the new listeners who are now tuned in to NBA draft coverage because this is draft season. You may not pay much attention to the draft during the season. And this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And my co-host for today is Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stabin. If you are on NBA Draft Twitter, then you know Richard very well from his tweets and his clips. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. I uh, you know, we're a week away from the combine. I'm excited. Less less than that. Less than. It's a lot going on, man. I didn't realize until a few hours ago that EYBL is in Dallas this weekend. Then there's Mother's Day, my first uh, time being a dad, and I got to, like, take my wife out for Mother's Day. And then on Monday, early Monday morning, I'm headed to Chicago for the Combine. So the list came out today. And before we get into that, were there any omissions on the list or, or any surprises I think anybody who I would have had on that, if they're in the G League elite camp, like I don't, I think for once there are some names where I'm like, all right, how did this guy get in? It was probably some politics and stuff. But I think for the most part, they got most of the guys right. The only guy I was a little bit shocked to see on neither was uh, Zarek Phelps out of SMU. But, you know, I think given the fact that he was on a bad team at SMU, really not a lot of NBA teams knew who he was. I think it had more to do with that than, you know, the opinion on him. Like, I I think I, I got to watch SMU a little bit more than I would have liked to because they were not a good team. It was not a fun watch. But Zerk Phelps is, like, easily a top 60 player for me. 6'5 combo guard, um, three-level scored, really good defensively. He's had a few workouts where he's wild. I know the first team he worked out for, I know, like, I, th- I think he did well. So, um, I think he's somebody who it's just he needs a spotlight, but that's a win, not if for him. Yeah, I watched him play against Central Florida, against Taylor Hendricks. I watched him play earlier this year. To me, Elijah Martin was the biggest guy left off. I thought that he played well. Team went to the Final Four. I know there's some concerns that he's like a 6-2-4. Four. They played him a lot at the four. But he shot the ball well, the athleticism, the defense. And from what I'm hearing – just teams didn't really pay attention to Florida Atlantic all year. And uh, I and I heard he had a workout and he did really well. And I, I'll talk a little bit more about that in an article on NBA Big Board 
com that should be out by the time you hear this podcast. But yeah, he was the biggest omission. And I mean, I think there are some guys that got in that he is definitely, definitely better than. All right, let's talk about your tweet today. So you say rank them. Kobe Bufkin, Keontae George, Bryce Sensenball, Maxwell Lewis, Jalen Hood, Shafino. Who is number one on your list out of that group? Yeah, for me, I go with Kobe Bufkin. Uh, this is somebody who on Monday's show, Raphael talked about, uh, you know, and I think it was Monday, that he's just like, what can he do? What does he do poorly? And it takes a lot of searching to think of what he does poorly. Like you can maybe point to playmaking, but this is also his first year. I think even including high school where he truly ran point guard this much. And so for me, I'm like, he saw there's enough flashes for me where it's like, he saw the passing lanes. Like he knew how to make the reads. I think he knows what he's doing. It's a win, not if for him in that regard. He's a good shooter, tries really hard on defense, high motor, good rebounder, just does everything, checks out intangibles. I just, I can't find anything wrong with him. I've got him as a lottery grade, and I really do think NBA teams will have him there. And also, he's still 19 years old, and he's a sophomore. Yeah, I don't think he turns 20 until September. A good friend of mine is an agent, and he's kicking himself. And he his exact words to me were, I, I saw it. I saw the potential. I wish I would have got on him when he was having three points a game as a freshman. He thought that he could get on him this year for 2024. He didn't think that he was a 2023 guy. And then I even had uh, an NBA scout tell me that when he watched him earlier this season, this season, he did not think that he was someone that he should really pay attention to for the 2023 draft. And then he said by February, he was like, this guy's the best player on Michigan. So <laughs> yeah, man, uh, when I did my scouting report on him, I, I break it down from strengths to areas of concern. And you're right. It was like, all right, doesn't really have like one glaring hole in this game. Like, I mean, there are plenty of prospects that are, you know, projected to go ahead of him. And you're like, all right, he needs to work on shooting. He can't handle. He doesn't defend. And with with uh, Buffkin, I mean, he's – is he the most complete guard? Who would you say is him or Casey Wallace? I mean, who would you say is more complete? It's tough because I think Casey has better defense the shot, I think, is equal. I do think Kaysen, that's tough. I don't know. I, I'd say, I'd say honestly, Kobe Bufkin has a better shooting upside. I'd say it's pretty equal because it depends on if you value the shooting or defense. I think that's really where it comes down to. Both guys, I think, are pretty close playmaking-wise. I do think Kaysen might have an edge there just being a more natural point guard. But I, I think it's close. All right. Yeah, I didn't want to get off subject there since Kaysen wasn't on your list. All right, who is... Number two in your ranking. First of all, what, like, this group, they all play, like, different positions. Like, what made you come up with this yep. this this group of guys? <laughs> the, the entire inspiration, this is such a weak answer, but I was staring at my board, and I'm like, how do I have all of these guys lower than where I talk about them being listed at? It's like, I'm like, oh, this guy's like, Kobe Buffkin could be a top 10 player in this draft. I don't have him top 10. I have him in the lottery, but 
I have, I talk about Jalen Hitchfino. I'm like, he should be a lottery talent. Don't have him in the lottery. I have Bryce Sensible. I think he's a top 20 talent. I don't have him in my top 20. Same thing for Maxwell Lewis and Keontae George. So I knew if that was my issue, I'm not the only one facing this. These guys are all over the boards. And I do the community mocks too. And Keontae George can sometimes go top 10. He slides to 15. He sometimes slides down in the 20s. Same thing. You could sub that for almost every single one of them. So to me, I think they just have very wide ranges on big boards right now. Yeah, I had Buffkin number 26 on my previous mock, and then I just moved him up to number, I think I got him at number 14 on the last one that I just released on Monday. Keontae, I want to say he went from like 11 to 18. Oh, man. <laughs> and I think Hushafino, I think he moved down. I mean, I had Gigi Jackson, like, jump from 13 to 5. Buffkin was a huge riser. And then Bilal, probably he went from not ranked. And the reason I didn't rank him was because I just did not think he was coming out. Like, And even and just like Intel, like, I'm, I'm friends with his agent. And, and it was until the very last minute that they decided that he was going to come out like they didn't know <laughs> like days before. So, um, so yeah, so some guys moved up, some guys moved down. So who's number two on your list? For me, I've got Jalen hood, Shifino, and it really comes down to like you asked me when we were talking about this before on, uh, before we got on air is the one thing we talked about before this was you go, you have a Shifino on there, even though he's not really like the same position as all the other guys. He's like a combo guard to me, I think, leaning towards point guard, which I think is where he differentiates himself compared to the rest of the list. I think he's more of a true point guard than anyone else on this list, and uh, that's a big part of why I have him number two. I think not only are the point guard skills strong, the jump shot seems to have very good indicators, both statistically and just looking at it. Like, you can tell he knows how to shoot. And look, I'm a sucker for guys that – and not only is he 6'6", but I'm a sucker for these guys that – out of the pick and roll, he's already advanced there. He has the floater down with left and right hand. If you want to see that, obviously it's hard, easy to say, oh, watch his best game of the year and you'll see it. Like, because that could be the anything. Purdue game. But really, that Purdue game, I mean, he dominated the pick and roll and he was hitting multiple left handed floaters and he's right handed. So to me, that's big. I'm just all in on the upside. I think he's a guy who we're going to look back and go, how did nobody have this guy earlier as this high? What's your biggest concern? I mean, consistency, I guess, in the jump shooting. Like, I, I think that's where it lies because he's still a little bit, um, he's still a little bit inconsistent in that regard. And then just discipline on defense. That's really the two main flaws I have right now for him. For me, my first of all, I go to what I like about him before I just start going with the with the concerns, the size. He shot thirty eight percent from three off the dribble out of pick and roll. So he's going to make you pay for going under. But he struggles off the catch. He's only like 31% from just overall off the catch. And then he he's really not explosive. He's more fluid than, than explosive. He only shot 52% at the rim. And um, I, I think that will go up a little bit with better spacing. But he just seemed to lack vertical pop around the rim but the floaters is, is money all right when we return we'll talk about the 
third prospect on Richard's list. But let's talk about game time. Because with game time, they have flash deals and last-minute tickets. And buying tickets for your favorite event will not be stressful. Game time is the fast and the easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have killer deals on last-minute tickets. They have a best price guarantee, and you don't have to stress about tickets, and you can start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. Again, the tickets are easy to find and easy to buy for every kind of event. You get images of the seats, and they have a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and job loss protection, so you can forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the last day of the event. Might have to check that out for NBA Summer League for you guys that are looking to go to Vegas because there's going to be Scoot Henderson, your first chance to watch the Thompson Twins play against NBA talent. So go to Game Time for tickets if you're a last-minute person like myself because you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for, like I said, basketball, football, baseball. And the Game Time guarantee means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, second segment, big shout out to, again, each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And for tomorrow, if you're every day or tomorrow, we will have Leaf Tulane. And just tune in to find out what the subject will be. All right, we're going back over Richard's list, and he was asking his 17,000 Twitter followers to rank a group of Guards, Wings, Kobe Bufkin, Keontae George, Bryce Sensenball, Maxwell Lewis, and Jalen Hood Shafino. He had Bufkin number one, Hood Shafino number two. I'm curious to hear who you have as the third best out of this group. Yeah, I on this one, I go full upside. And I think while he has a lot to learn as a player, just on both ends. I think Bryce Sensabaugh has so much just realistic upside and a good floor being just an outstanding shooter. First of all, 40% from three on four and a half attempts per game, plus 83% from the free throw line is about as safe as it gets as a shooter. He's got an argument to be the best shooter in the class. I don't think he is, but he's in that discussion. And when you look at just the raw talent, he's a freshman, just the ability I think is very strong there. And he played in a crowded backcourt. I think there were a lot of mouths to feed on that team. A lot of young players that that needed touches and also some veterans on there. But on top of that, he has the physical tools to play defense. Like if you watch him in isolation, he's actually pretty good. He can hang. The problem is he just doesn't know how to play defense. Like I, I don't mean that offensively. Like, I mean, I just, I don't think he, I think he's very raw in that regard where he has to be taught how to play defense right now. And, you know, not an insult or anything, but it's just something NBA teams will have to be patient with. And look, if he even turns into a neutral defender, that shooting translates and he becomes a primary scorer, like off the bench even, you got yourself a really nice player that helps contribute to winning basketball. Like I feel like personally he could be a Jordan Poole level player if he really develops it just entirely. I think it's a good upside for him. Yeah, I've talked about it before 
I think he could be a real, real matchup nightmare in like the pre-draft workout circuit because he's strong enough to get to where he wants to get on the floor. He can shoot. And and he's one of the guys. I probably have about five guys that I feel like if I'm an agent, and I talk about it all the time, because I always like to see things from different perspectives. He's a guy that if I'm an agent, I might have my client avoid him. Because if it's a, you know, star shooting drill or 100 shooting drill, he might beat your client there. If if the team says, hey, go one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, I think he's going to have a lot of advantages there. And I also think that it would be wise for him to maybe show up a little bit lighter than what he played this season. And I think that will even help him more as far as um, his athleticism. Here's a question I like to ask. If Bryce Sensenball maximizes his potential, what is the reason? Like, what makes him maximize his potential? And then a second part of that question is, if he doesn't, what would be the reason? Man, I hate to say it because it's a cop-out answer. I think this is the same answer for both. It's where he lands. If he goes to a team that's notorious for bad development, um, that's not good for him. If he goes to a team like, say, the Spurs or, you know, one of those spots where they've just recently been developing, 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 or have a long history of it, whatever it is, I think that's going to be why. I mean, if he lands at a, just a good spot, I mean, Indiana, I think, would be good for him to learn under Carlisle, especially given I know I know Mavs fans do not like uh, thinking he's a good player development coach. But I mean, look what he did with – I mean, he, had, he should have had two all-rookie guys. Andrew Nemhard barely missed it. Um, I think there's a lot of work to be done with uh, there, and I, I think that would be why it just really comes down to where he lands and how much he can invest into being his best self. I think it would be the defense and if the shooting is real because I don't know if he's going to have the freedom to play the way that he played at Ohio State as far as you know, the mid-range. But then again, I thought that about Malachi Branham last year. I thought, like, okay, this guy sells for a lot of mid-range jumpers. I, I do think, I mean, it's cliche in a sense because for every player it is system and and so on. But I, I wonder, is he going to have to dumb his game down in a sense and settle as a spot-up shooter? And then if that's his only role as a spot-up shooter, then is the defense going to be concerned. I mean, we're talking about a guy that Ohio State didn't start because they had concerns about, about his defense. And so now he's bumping up in a level of competition in the NBA. And especially if you watch the playoffs, I mean, if you're a bad defender, a weak link on defense, they are hunting you down and picking on you. So that would be my concern there. All right, who is the next player on on this list? So we've talked about Kobe Bufkin. We've talked about Hood Shafino. You have Sensible number three. All right, so I'm curious to see who's number four, mainly for the purpose to see who is number five and how you're going to have to explain this to that person's yeah. <laughs> fan base. Let me just preface because five will become obvious if you listen to the list process of elimination. Um, I have since gone back and watched my fifth player. It's really close. But I'll explain that when it gets to him. My fourth one, I have Maxwell Lewis out of Pepperdine. Really, the difference maker between him and Keontae George was the size. And 
I, I really do think Pepperdine was a tough situation. Not that Baylor wasn't too, but I think Pepperdine just didn't do him any favors. I don't think he really learned how to play defense. He's very far uh, in that regard. But look, he has one of the best. I, I think when you think about him as a prospect, he has some of the best strides, very long strides, especially for like a combo two guard. Uh, I think he's got a lot of stri- just great strides. I like the shooting a lot. I think his just scoring ability is already smoother. Granted, he's a sophomore. Keontae George is a freshman, but I really do like him a lot. I think he's just got some areas to polish in his game. I will say, I think of all the five players on this list, he might have the biggest risk. Big, what would that risk be? Is it? Just I think because... it's just really. I mean, can he like? It's worse. I think his defense might be more concerning than Bryce Sensabaugh's because Sensabaugh you can dismiss situation. Ohio State wasn't the best spot necessarily. I mean, they were a bad team despite all the talent, and he's young. He can learn it. Uh, younger, I should say, than Maxwell Lewis, if I'm not mistaken. Whereas I think Maxwell Lewis has some inherent flaws that learning alone won't fix. I think he's a little bit stiff on the defensive end, a little bit too much for my liking, and that concerns me. Obviously, defense isn't the end-all, be-all, especially for guard, which is arguably the least important defensive position, but it's still a negative. I think he has the tools to be a good defender. It's a matter of yep. does he want to be. I think he's just a little lazy in the sense that he will let guys get by him and he wants to get the chase down block. But I'd say that just in my opinion, he has more – I guess wow plays on defense than than Bryce does. So we'll we'll see. But I, I've heard that he's been shooting the ball really, really well. He's working out in Vegas with Joe Bunasar. And Joe has had, I mean, he's he, he's probably like the guy that has seen the most pre-draft talent come out from I, I remember watching like Kawhi Leonard work out there, Porzingis. And I mean, if you ever get a chance to go to Vegas and go to his gym, you see all the jerseys of guys that work out there. It's like a who's who. Kevin Garnett, Chauncey Billups. He started working out with those guys early, and he's very, very, very high on Max Lewis. All right, when we return, we have one more player left. And this is interesting because this is a guy that we both have seen in person, and we both were really, really high on. Find out why Richard has Keontae George at number five on this list. Stay tuned. All right, last segment. And let's just get right to it. You have Keontae George, number five on this list. What is your reasoning for somewhat souring on Keontae? Yeah, it it's tough. I think the first thing for me is just the second half of his season was so bad. I mean, let's compare it to the first half. The efficiency has never really been there. I'll read the the stats, and I think it'll pop where the differences are. 18 points a game through the first 16 games. 3.4 assists to 3.2 turnovers. Not great. 4.6 rebounds per game. That's including one and a half rebound. That's uh, with splits of 40%. From the field, 35% from three, 82% from the free throw line. I think that's one where you can live in, with and say, man, yeah, he could be more efficient. But there's enough flashes in the shooting where it's really strong. And he just wasn't, he was making more good plays than bad plays. Then it flips to the second half of the season. He played 33 games, by the way. So it's like an even split. This 16 games versus 17 games. The last 17 games, 13 points a game. 2.2 assists to 2.6 turnovers. So the assist to turnover ratio has not only gone negative, 
but it also is uh, the turnover rate barely dropped off with a massive, uh, with a decent size assist drop. Rebounds per game went down to 3.7, 0.6 rebounds per game. Field goal percentage, 35%, three-point percentage, 32%, free throw percentage, 76%. Now, he did play through some injury. I want to contextualize that. It's not like he was completely healthy the entire season. But it just felt like what we saw at the beginning of the season, he was this dominant non-conference player. I mean, we were talking about, you know, him being a top five to ten pick in December and January, and then he just really fell off in the final two months. When when I don't remember if you read the TCU game, I, I think you were, but um, when he oh, played yeah. at Bay, Baylor at TCU, I mean, I know there were a lot of NBA scouts in the building, and it was one of his worst games of the year, and a lot of NBA scouts did not walk away happy with him. Yeah, and I mean, I've I've interviewed him. I have this interview that I've been sitting on for weeks, kind of caught up in some some BS, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> And uh, he he kind of, I mean, he basically put it into context. He said one ankle was bigger than the other. He had a whole lot of tape on his ankle. He said he just was not himself. And Mike Miller, his agent, posted a video a couple of days ago. Maybe it was yesterday. By the time you hear it, it'll be like two days. And it was Keontae and Paolo Bancaro working out. And he was dunking like that's a concern that people had and i talked to him about that too people say he's not athletic so on and so on and in this video i mean it shows him jumping out the gym i've seen videos of him jump over jumping over somebody and dunking i've seen i have game footage of back when he was in high school where he was a lot more bouncier than he showed at baylor and i think that the ankle was bothering him especially in the second half. But then he mentioned to me that he had put on too much weight and he wasn't playing at a comfortable weight. And, you know, if you look at the Big 12, it is a conference where freshmen don't really play a lot in a sense. I mean, who, who are the freshmen that played in the Big 12 and had impact? Keontae, Grady. I mean, we're talking lottery-level talents. And I think that he bulked up. And it's just my opinion, a little bit of my opinion and what he told me, but he bulked up a little bit too much. Wasn't... um wasn't healthy and so I, on one hand I like he fell on my board and on the other hand there's a part of me that feels like I'm overthinking it and it could be a mistake I mean the percentages are the percentages he was not efficient from the floor he's just a weird situation where he's one of a few guys that I say like the shot looks good every shot looks money and you want to buy in that okay he's a better shooter than the percentages and we'll see. We'll see. But I've had a chance to watch him work out probably five or six times uh, before he headed out to Orlando to work out with uh, with his agency at Lyft. And so we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll definitely see, um, you know, I guess once the once he starts doing the pre-draft workouts, we'll probably get a little bit of intel on how, how he's playing. But um, it, it's a tough situation. And I think it's I think he's a guy that like dr the draft world is kind of because you can't really unsee like his last few games, but it's weird because, and I'm not comparing him to Scoot. I know they're two different players, but Scoot's second half of the season wasn't good and Keontae's wasn't good. Scoot has maintained his draft position while it looks like Keontae's is, I mean, it's plummeting, 
But I wonder how much of it is because we actually saw Keontae's struggles in real time where you had to work a little bit harder to find Scoot's games. Plus he was in and out of the lineup here and there while Keontae was actually playing hurt and trying to play through injuries. So I wonder how much of that is, um, is a factor and in, in why like he's, he's falling on certain boards. Yeah. I feel like he's, I, I agree with you on almost all of that. I mean, the overthinking, especially like this feels like uh you know, we talked about somebody who uh, both last year, or not really both, I didn't like last year. We had very opposite opinions, and you you were right. Uh, I know it's only been one year, but I'm very ready to concede. Jaden Hardy, I mean, just the context mattered so much. The percentages, I really overthought that. The talent was always there. The shot looked good. The shot translated right away. Could be the same thing with Keontae. Obviously, it's not the same exact thing because Keontae played hurt, but... I really think I might just, I mean, same boat. Am I overthinking it or am I properly looking at this and going, all right, he's good. Because here's one thing that worries me is the defense in the non-conference. I, I honestly, I'd say before the injury, the defense before the injury looked really solid. Like he looked like he could guard both guard slots. He could guard drives. He could guard three point shots. At the end of the season, he, once the ball got within the three point line, he was toast. And it made no sense because he was locked down on the perimeter, but like very literally the perimeter. Once he got, once they broke that wall of the three point line, like he he just really struggled to finish possessions, and that was something I know one NBA scout at the game said was like, I mean, he can't finish possessions defensively right now, and that's what worries you know me on that. Yeah, I and think again, for I him, thinking? <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's fair. I think it's valid. I think for him, in order for him to get his stock back where it was at one point, he's going to have to interview well. He's going to have to shoot the ball well in workouts, and then I think show the bouncy athleticism that we just didn't see at, at Baylor this year. So I think he still has a chance to to end up in the lottery, but hey, man, draft day is one of the weirdest days. And, and I think if you did a poll of people and said, all right, which guys could you see having a wide draft range from the lottery to, you know, past 2021 and i think a few of the guys on this list are, are in that range where they can go as high as what 13 through 25 so that's why i can't wait i can't wait to draft it well that wraps up this episode of the locked on nba big board podcast big shout out to all the listeners out there shout out to the new listeners and tomorrow leaf to lean will be on and stay tuned to find out what we got cooking up in our next episode once again it's rafael barlow with richard Stayman, and we are out